Hello, this is Lyle Phillips, Senior Pastor at Iris Nashville, and I would like to personally thank you for downloading and listening to our podcast each week. To find out more information about Iris Nashville, you can find us online at irisnashville.com. Thanks, and God bless. Thank you, guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You may be seated, and thank you so much for welcoming us, and we feel so at home, and uh, we certainly do miss Lyle Allison and Isaiah not being here. We can't forget little man, and, um, but my Lord, what an opportunity that, that they've been given this week, and the doors that are opening for them there in, in, in Reading tonight, and then throughout the week speaking at the different, uh, I know first year, second year, and then Friday evening in the main service there at Bethel. What an opportunity that they've been given. And so we're very proud of them, aren't we? And uh, we're very thankful that God's opening doors for them. And uh, God, God's going to do greater things through you guys, through your generation, than I ever dreamed of. And, um, and so just get ready, because that is the truth. Because if you've, if you've had a great foundation laid for you, there's no reason in the world why that you shouldn't fly higher than those before you flew. And that's certainly our heart, is, is that as you continue to grow, and I told our church this morning, I said, you know, guys, I'm so very proud of our, of our church in Nashville because what a great opportunity that they have in one of the fastest-growing cities in America with some of the greatest things that are going on in the world happening right there in Nashville at this time. And so such a time as this, it's time for this church to spread its wings and to become everything God's called it to be. And so I'm very thankful for that. And uh, being, as, as she said, a father, uh, Pastor Lyle is, um, is my son, and I could tell you wonderful things of all of the years, and I know you'd love to hear them. I will hold my comments for a later date, though, Justin. We'll tell the dirty things later. But, um, but what a great young man that he and Allie and have, and I say great young man, that she already was, I'm sure, Carl. Uh, but what he has become in marrying into the Dobbs, uh, Dobbins family, we're, we're so thankful to be a part of what they have been here in Nashville for many, many years. And they just represent everything so well. We're so thankful for that, Carl, and for everything that you guys have done. What a wonderful daughter you have. My daughter now as well, and uh, we're very thankful for that. But tonight, I want to talk about, uh, um, it's really a monumental message in, in our ministry. Uh, this message, along with one that I spoke last week, and Owensboro, and I'm, I'm not trying not to refer much back to it, but I talked last week, about the, last week about the law of first things. And it's really a message that will establish some things in, in all of our lives that can truly change your life. It's literally a life-changing, the content is life-changing. And so um, I would urge you, uh, my pastor, Pastor Mike Hayes, wrote a book. I, I didn't get to do all of the research. Thank God I don't always have to do all of the research. I get to sometimes glean from some of others' research. Uh, but he taught me a very valuable lesson some years ago, actually a couple of years ago. It hadn't been that long ago. And he was speaking to a handful of us, and, um, and he was just talking really off the cuff. We were in a small group. And, and I'm going to take my time tonight. I hope that's okay, because really, I really want this to seed into our hearts and spirit this evening. 
And, uh, and we were just talking, and he said that he had this wonderful couple that had been attending his church there in Dallas for, for a few years. And, and he, you know, as we all are, we're proponents of giving, and we believe in giving, and we know what Scripture says about giving and what God does with givers and when we worship God in that respect of our giving, of our finance, and etc. And this wonderful couple, just as honest, honest as they could be, walked into his office one day and said, Pastor Micah, they asked, they said, you know, we really need to talk to you because there are some things that, we, that you've been preaching and teaching and we've been doing that to the letter and we don't feel like we're getting the result that you've said God would, would give us in our Christian walk. And what they were talking about, they were talking about their tithing. They were talking about their giving of their finance. And, they, and, and he asked them a, f- a couple of questions, you know, are you, are you tithing, are you, are you giving? Yes, yes, we're doing this, we're doing it like you've taught us to do it. And he said, you know, guys, he said, I- I've got to be honest with you. The scripture says that if you do this, God will do this. Malachi is very plain. It's all throughout scripture about giving and what God does with our giving. And he said, but let me go to prayer because I, you, you've caught me off guard. I really don't have an answer for you. He went to prayer, and after a, a week or so, he came back and invited the couple back into his office, and he simply said, he said, guys, he said, i got to apologize to you because there's something that I've missed. And he wrote a whole book concerning it, and it's the law of first things. And he talks about giving of our tithe and of our offerings and such. It's not something that you give when everything else is paid for. It's something that you do up front. It's not a faith giving. It's not your tithe is not faith if it's not wrote, if it's not wrote, if it's not push paid, if it's not however you give first. It's got to be first. Because the, the scripture is very plain about the law of first things. God does not want your best. God wants your first. And so therein lies a, a great truth. So I have spent the month of January in being very foundational with our church. And I'm going to be that foundational with you tonight in this message called Kings and Priests. This message is really a, a monumental message in our lives and something that really changed our life. It really affected our life as a family and, and how we looked at our identity because that's really what I'm going to talk about tonight is our identity. And I want every one of you, I promise you when you leave here tonight, you're going to understand your identity a little better. You may already know who you are. I may not can share anything with you that would spark an interest in you. But I promise you tonight there's going to be something that's going to quicken in you and you're going to say, you know what, that's who I am. This is me. This is where I, I'm going in my life. This is what God's called me to be. So this message tonight is about identity. It's not about finance, although it's intertwined. It's not about that at all. It's about your identity. And so I hope tonight that you can grab a hold of this because I think it really will help us to change in in the depths of of who we are and as we move forward, kings and priests. So as we um, begin to look, let's look into the Old Testament first. Let's look at Exodus chapter 19, verses 4 through 6. I always read out of the New King James Version. And so you can follow along with me in your electronic device, your Bible, whatever you have on the screen, whatever. I would just want you to read with me. It's very important that you see this and, uh, and that it gets into your heart, into your spirit. Exodus 19, Moses writing out of the Torah. This few of these words that are going to jump out at you begin to resonate with me in Deuteronomy chapter number 28. So that's your homework. I hope you take notes because if you don't take notes, when I'm here, I want you to take notes because I'm going to give you homework. And part of your homework for tonight is Deuteronomy chapter 28. I want you to read Deuteronomy chapter 28. When you go home, not right now, you're going to miss something I'm going to say. (laughs) And I'm going to talk quick. So you're going to have to get with me. So Deuteronomy 28, I want you to read that tonight. But you're going to find some of that. You're going to hear what I'm about to say, and it's going to refer to that. Exodus 19, 4 through 6. 
You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings. The Lord speaking to Israel and brought you to myself, capital M, therefore God, referring to himself. Verse 5, now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice, resonates with Deuteronomy 28. If you will obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me, capital M, God's talking about himself. You'll be a special treasure to me, God says, above all people, for all the earth is mine. Now, I want that, I want you to really catch a hold of that little, after the semicolon, for all the earth is mine, capital M again, God. God says, I own it all. It's all mine. There's nothing that you can't find, do, be, go, whatever. I own it. It's mine. So I want you to establish that. If you'll obey my voice and you'll do what I've told you to do, I own it all. I can bless you abundantly. I can do all things in your life that you've been praying for. I can do things in your life that I promised you because there are some of you in here tonight that have promises of God that are not fulfilled in your life. We all do. I hope that your promises are not all fulfilled. But some of your promises cannot be fulfilled with the certain character in which that you walk in today. Because God is continually developing our character so that we can walk into our greater promises. And so I want you to develop your character tonight and begin to realize that we all have character flaws. Every single one of us do. I want to talk about those a little bit this evening. But all of us must refine ourselves. It's a time of refining. You're saved. Yes, you're saved, and that's awesome, and that's wonderful. But the honest truth is is that it it doesn't end there. This actually goes further and with much greater proportion whenever we begin to realize, you know what, yes, I'm saved, but there's so much more to be had in the kingdom of God. And if we ever intend or hope to reach the city, Nashville, then we're going to have to start walking in something that goes beyond just our salvation of our own selves. And believing for a little healing here and there. And a little miracle here and there. We've got to walk in something that is greater than that. So the Lord is saying, it's all mine. Now let's jump down to verse number 6. And it says, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Now, I I could stop and preach every little aspect of this. I'll try not to do that. But I want you to realize... there God's people became a nation. They started out a family, literally. They started out a family through Abraham. Abraham's family grew and it grew and it grew and it ultimately became a nation. If my family, the Phillips family, if God were to tarry, if we lived as Methuselah lived and lived to be 900 to 1,000 years old, eventually we would become so large as a family we would be a city. We would become a population of a state. Why? Because we've grown and grown and grown. And this is what's happened to the people of God. They have grown now to where that they are a nation of people. These are the words which I shall speak to you, the children of Israel. Now I want to jump out of the Old Testament and I want to jump into the New Testament tonight, into John's writings in the book of Revelation. Now I want you to notice with me in chapter number 1, verses 4 through 6. John says to the seven churches which are in Asia, Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the the, the faithful witness. The firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth. To him who loved us and washed us. Now I want you to notice there's three things here that are very pointed. Him. Talking about capital him, God. God washed us through Christ, 
excuse me, he loved us, he washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us, get this, kings and priests. Now, you'll notice back in Exodus 19, verse 6, he said, we, you are a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Now here John says in Revelation, in verse number 6, that we are kings and priests to his, to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, before I get too deep into the kings and priests thing, I want you to notice three things that Christ has done for us. Number one, he loves us. Turn to your neighbor and say, he loves you. You don't have to worry. Nobody else in the world may love you. God loves you. God loves every single person in the world. Not every single person in the world is saved, but God loves them. They have to come to agreement with what Christ did through his death, burial, resurrection, the blood of Christ, through repentance and agreeing with Christ, but God does love them. The love of God is, with, with, is without measure, and God is no respecter of persons. This is where we can find that scripture that is very clear, that God is no respecter of persons. It's in his love. It's in his love. Now, once we're saved, I'm going to submit to you tonight that God has some respecter of persons. Now, don't, don't take this out of context tonight because what I'm trying to say is it's not that God loves one and hates the other. Not at all. We're all in the kingdom and we're all saved. But the point being is, and I use my boys sometimes as a reference for this. Sometimes in my four boys' lives, there, there, was, there was Lyle, Bryce, and Jordan, and Spencer. Now, you all know Spencer, and I must tell you, he is the jewel of the bunch. You may not realize that, but, but Spence is the jewel of the bunch. And, and, and there were times whenever Lyle was, was being rebellious and acting up and carrying on, along with Bryson and, and such. Now, they, they all had their day. But, but I want you to know, there were times when I just wanted to knock a knot on their head. Anyone, any parents in here know what I'm talking about. They would sit by me in church, and whenever they would act up, this is what I would do. Now, you discipline your kids how you want, but you see that thumb, that thumb and finger? I would... Pow, right on top of the head. Pow, and I mean, ah, Dad, what in the world? Straighten up, set up, and shut up. Wasn't no time out. Wasn't no take you to the bathroom. Now, you know, it was pow, just like that. And regardless of what people think of it, that's how I dealt with it. There was four young men there that needed to straighten it up. And the best way I knew was to inflict a little pain right there on top of the head. But the point is, is, is that... All people have this little rebellious nature about them. And so here we are serving God. Um, God's speaking. God's constantly speaking. And it's up to us to hear the voice of God and respond to the voice of God. Now, I look at the boys and I think to myself, well, this one's obeying me and this one is in total rebellion. He's not doing anything I want him to do. Now, who am I going to give the $20 to to go to the movie or whatever? The one that's obeying. Right? Are you following? That's what I talk about respect or persons. Not that he doesn't love us. He does. But that's what I'm talking about. People who obey God have favor with God. Anyone want to agree with that? Just a head nod's awesome. Just whoever obeys God, hears his voice and obeys that, they have favor with God. And so we understand that God loves us. Second thing is we understand according to Revelation that God washed us through the blood of Jesus Christ. We understand that. We are set free through the blood of Jesus Christ. And then the third thing is, is that he made all of us of this holy nation kings and priests. Now, you are one or the other. You are a king or a priest in the new covenant church. You're a king or a priest. Now, I'm going to talk about that in generalities this, this evening. Kings. Let's first talk about what is it that a king does. A king takes dominion. 
a king of old covenant stature, they go and they do conquest. I'm going to use a case study tonight of, the, of King David. But I want to also have you to notice what a priest does. What a priest does is, is that a priest is set apart to give the glory to God, to give God glory, to take care of the temple. He worked in the temple. He took care of the temple. He did ministry. He gave glory to God. He stood in the, in, uh, in the gap for the people and then worshiped God, giving God glory. So we have two people, two segments of people that were mentioned in Scripture that we as this holy nation have become through our acceptance of Jesus Christ and obedience to that. We have become a nation of kings and priests. We all have. Now, certainly it does look a little different than it did from the Old Covenant, but we can certainly break it down this, this evening and begin to understand it. What was an assignment of a king? Now, I want to read some scripture out. I'm going to run into here to 2 Samuel chapter 11 and verse number 1. Then I'm going to get into 2 Samuel, and we're going to use David again as a case study. 2 Samuel chapter 11 and verse number 1. It happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle that David sent Joab and his servant with him, all and all of Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. There's something that I want us to see in this verse. And that is, is what the king did whenever springtime come. We can see here, if you ever wanted to know, when did the kings go to battle against the countries or against the people that God would have them to over, overrun, overtake, go to battle with? It was always in the springtime. Why? It was warm. It was just, it, all of the elements became, is just part of it. But that was the reason. Now it's time to go to battle. So David heard the voice of God and he said, you know what? Now it's time to go and it's time to overtake Joab and to besiege Rabbah. Besiegement is a warfare tactic. It is literally an encircling of a fort, of a city, of whatever it is. Still used today, today to some degree. But in the Old Covenant, what they would do, they would besiege a fort or a city. They would encamp their army around them. Nothing went in. Nothing came out. Eventually, they either starved them out or when they came out, they killed them. So the bottom line is David went to war. And Scripture teaches us that whenever they went to war, that they always brought home the spoil from warfare. Now, throughout the rest of chapter number 11, we find David in his morality dilemma. And we find that he and Bathsheba, Bathsheba get all tangled up and they uh, work sin in, the, in their lives. David wasn't where he was supposed to be and therefore David falls in sin. But again we find in 2 Samuel chapter number 12 where I want to pick up in verses 29 through 31. Notice with me. So David, David gathered all the people together and went to Rabbah. And he fought against it and he took it. He took spoil. Then he took their king's crown from his head. Its weight was a talent of gold with precious stones. I, I did a, a study a few weeks ago that I taught on a Wednesday night. A talent of gold today in, in the market today is worth $993,600, give or take a few cents. So the king's crown, just the gold, not, not even considering the precious stones, was worth about a million dollars. And so David, here's David, and a talent of gold weighs about 75 pounds. So you can see that king didn't wear that thing around all of the time. It sat there and he really just sort of sat on his throne and he sat there with this big massive amount of gold on his head. So David takes this 
this off of his head, and David, notice what it says, and it was set on David's head. Also, he brought out the spoil of the city in great abundance. In other words, he went into the city, anything of value, he took it as well. He took everything of value out. He went, he took spoil, he took everything of value, he took the crown of the king, and he took everything else that they had that was worth anything. And he brought out the people who were in it and put them to work with saws and iron picks and iron axes and made them cross over to the brickworks. So he did to all the cities of the people of Ammon. Then David and all of the people returned to Jerusalem. So now, I want you to see something here. David, as a king, went and took the city. This was his, if I may, his duty, his job, his calling, his ministry, if you will. His ministry was to go and to take spoil for the future purpose of God's kingdom and call and ministry. So what David was doing under God's direction, he was going out and he was financing the next move of God. He was taking spoil. King David was given the assignment to prepare the house of the Lord. You may know the story. To where David for years said, Lord, I want to build you a house. I want to, and, and the Lord would never let him build the house. And that became Solomon's job was to build the house. But David, had his, his job was as important as Solomon's was in building the house. Somebody had to bring forth the goods and the treasury to take care of building the house. So David's job as king was to take spoil and to finance the house of God. That was the king's job. The Bible says that we are a holy nation of kings and priests. We all have been called to be a king or a priest. These are the only callings in the holy nation uh, even today in our world today. As Christians, this is two callings that are very general, but yet I think we can begin to identify ourselves. Kings today, they do business, they do conquest. Priests today do ministry. The assignment of priests. We've talked recently about the, the assignment of a king. Now let's talk about these, the assignment of a priest. Once I get through some of this uh, foundational stuff, I'll talk to you a little bit more about you and I. But notice with me in Numbers chapter number 1, verses 47 through 54. Now we're talking about priests, remember. We just got through talking about the case study of David and his kingship, how he did kingship, what he did as king. Now let's talk about priests. But the Levites were not numbered among them by their father's tribe. Now, Levites were the priesthood. They were the priests of the hour. Verse 48. For the Lord had spoken to Moses, saying, Only the tribe of Levi you shall not number, nor take a census of them among the children of Israel. But you shall appoint the Levites over the tabernacle of the testimony, over all the furnishings, and over all, all things that belong to it. They shall carry the tabernacle and all its furnishings. The, excuse me, they shall attend to it and camp around the tabernacle. And when the tabernacle is to go forward, the Levites shall take it down. And when the tabernacle is to be set up, the Levites shall set it, set it up. The outsider who comes near shall be put to death. In other words, he was saying, anybody that's not of the priesthood that gets involved in ministry in this way, I want you to put them to death. They're not supposed to be there. I have a called group of people now, I'm not about killing people, but hang with me for a moment. There's a called group of people that is supposed to do ministry. And God called some in this room to do ministry. God called some in this room to be kings. 
And we need to identify that this evening. And he said, but if they get close to the tabernacle, put them to death. Verse 52, the children of Israel shall pitch their tents, every one by his own camp, every one by his own standard, according to their armies. But the Levites shall camp around the tabernacle of the testimony, that there may be no wrath on the congregation of the children of Israel. And the Levites shall keep charge of the tabernacle of the testimony. Thus the children of Israel did according to all that the Lord commanded Moses. So they did. Old Testament uh, understanding of what a priest did in the Old Testament. Now let's go to the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. Trying to get all this scripture out. Hang with me. Hebrews 5, 1 through 8. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men the things pertaining to God. Priest. They were appointed to the things pertaining to God. That's what a priest does. That he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. In other words, I'm a priest. Now, I do want to say this evening that there are times, and many times this is the fact, that you may start out as a king and end up a priest. You may start out a priest and somehow God transfer you to be a king later on in your life. That's between you and God and how God deals with you and your walk with God and what God's purpose in your life is for his kingdom. Because we are all gods, it is his kingdom. I have been bought by a price of the blood of Jesus that I am to give him everything that I am. That's what allows me to be a part of this holy nation. as allows me to be either a king or a priest in this holy nation. The Hebrews, he says, things pertaining to God. Where am I at? Verse, let's go to verse number 3. Because of this, he, he is required, as for the people, so also for himself, to, sac- to offer sacrifices for sins. And no man takes this honor to himself, but he who is called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. As he also says in another place, You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Many of you may remember in Scripture where Abraham gave a tenth of everything that he had to Melchizedek. He was, he was in a type and shadow, if I may, of Jesus Christ. In that hour of Old Covenant, verse number 7. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplication with vehement cries and tears to him who uh, who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Life in ministry. Priests are to give sacrifices For people. Now, get this. Kings and priests. Kings take spoil. Priests give sacrifices for people. It's all about the salvation of people. This begins to draw a line in the sand. We begin to realize who we are in this holy nation of this new covenant. Now, I'm going to talk about very general right now. But I think you can actually begin to bring it down to where you are and where you live. If we talk about kings in our day and hour, in the Old Covenant, lords, maybe a a, a proper uh, term that we might use to label someone who is of royalty, a realm of dominion, lords, princes, princesses, things of this nature. Now, in our hour today, there are people in this room that have great ability to manage people and to amount wealth. 
There are people in this room today that have great ability to lead others. They may be owners of businesses. They may be the next congressman. They may be the next city uh, leaders of, of, of Nashville. To whereby that you take your Christian uh, perspective and persuasions into offices of this city and you lead groups of people as a civic leader and you are a king of, of Nashville leading people by the power and the glory of God. Now, these are kings on the earth today. There are people that are financiers. There are people today that uh, lead great companies. There are people today I, I teach, uh, which I have sort of gleaned a lot from Lance Wall now. Some of you have heard me talk about him before. The seven mountains of our society and culture today. If you don't know of that message, you need to, you need to listen and read that. Because there are seven mountains of culture today. There's the church, there's family, there's, there's media, there's all these different things, government, etc. And at the top of these mountains, all throughout our culture today, is where the decisions are being made to make the decisions for all of those that are uh, uh, descending down the mountain in their pecking order. What are you saying, Pastor? What I'm saying is, is that we as Christians and our calling should be at the top making the decisions for our city, for our state, for our nation as Christian people. Now, I think this is a very timely message simply because this is an election year and I'm not here to be a politician. I'm not a politician because I'm not a king. I've spent my time in the workforce. I spent my time giving, 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 and I still give very liberally. I'm not patting myself on the back, but I promise you if you're called of God, that's one of the first things that you're going to learn or God cannot really use you until you become very gracious in your giving. And I'm not just talking about your finance. I'm talking about your time, your talents, and your treasure. You've got to be very good at giving of your time, talents, and treasure. And kings in this room today are CEOs. Kings in this room today are people that go out and they make a living and they bring the spoil of what God gives them to the house of God so that the ministry can do what God's called the ministry to do. These are kings of our hour. What does it look like to be a priest today? First of all, we have the five-fold ministry. And we know we have apostles and prophets and teachers and pastors and, and evangelists. These are, without a doubt, part of what we know as, as ministry today. These are the priesthood of today. But there are others as well. Now, I only have, and allow me, this, uh, allow me for a moment just to share a little bit of my own personal opinion and my own soapbox for a moment. What I have noticed in the church today, we're very snobby. Let that set in. I meant just exactly what I said. We're very snobby because we have our favorites when it comes to the ministry. Well, I like the prophet because, you know, he just always telling, thus saith the Lord and gives me direction. That's awesome. I love the prophet as well. And, you know, I may have even told you this before. But I want you to realize today mature Christians can value all facets of the ministry equally because it takes all of the ministry to make us all what God wants us to become. And we've got to make that a priority in our lives. Not to say, well, I like this one and I don't like that one. And I like this and I don't like that. Because a priest today is all of us that are called of God to see that people get saved. I mean, honestly, is there anything else that a priest should be doing? 
If we have lost family members and if we have lost people, this city's full of lost people. It is a, it is a statistical proof that most people do not have father figures in their lives. People are looking for somebody to help them. People are looking for someone to lead them. And if our priests are not leading and leading with good character. And we're not perfect. That's what the scripture said a while ago. We have, of all have our weaknesses ourselves. So we can't look at the priests and say, and you know, this is another pet peeve that I have. When do we start judging everybody according to all their faults? Can we please get over that? You know, if you, if you make one mistake, man, I, I, you, I, I'm not going to follow. I, I'm, I'm done. One mistake. Well, have you made a mistake before? I would certainly say you have. And so we need to get over that kind of stuff. That, that's, that's a haughty heart. That's pride. And we've got to get over that type of thing because this thing is honestly so much bigger than we are. And as priests, we've got to come together and be what God's called us to be so that people can find God. Nothing more important than that as a priest. What else, is, what else would fall under a priest? Worship leaders? Sunday school teachers, people who feel as though ministry is their main focus in life. Mission fields, whatever that looks like. We talk about the GO conference. I often, I know in Owensboro I do. I don't know if I need to here or not. But you all realize that that's that's our conference. You realize that, right? This is part of Mercy 29. This is part of the missions aspect of who and what we are. And so these things need to be supported by us. It's not maybe whether you're going to go. You're going to go, so just go on and register. I'm smiling, right? Yep. So just go ahead and register because these things, whenever you get Heidi Baker in here and Roland in here and Banning Leapshire in here and all the other speakers that are going to be in here, time you pay airfare, food, and hotels and all of these things so that they can come minister and, and do ministry as they would have uh, here in, in our wonderful city of Nashville, we have to pay these people to be here. So that's why there's a registration fee. That's why we have to do that, guys. That's why we have to do those things. But this is ministry. We can either do ministry and get all out of it in our life that we possibly can, or we can, we can be weak and just do ministry at a bare minimum. And I'll be honest with you guys, I don't want to do ministry at a bare minimum. I want to see God, before I draw my last breath, I want to see God get out of everything in me that he breathed in me when he saved me. And I was in my early 20s. I'm 20, 22 years old, I think, whenever I finally got saved. But I promise you that night something changed in me that was dramatic for me. I've never, oh, I've made my mistakes, but I've never turned back and said, I'm not going to church anymore. I'm mad. I'm mad at so-and-so, and I'm mad at the preacher, and I'm mad at Justin, and I'm mad at Teal, and I'm just mad at everybody. Bless God, I ain't going back to church. You got to get over that stuff because you're either a king or you're a priest and God has a call on your life and all of the pettiness of life. Can I pastor for a moment? I know Pastor Lyle's not here and Allie's not here, but I'm, I'm just going to pastor for a moment. The pettiness of life, we got to be bigger than that as kings and priests. One thing that I've noticed as a king or a king does is, is that they don't get wrapped up in the small stuff. Not pride. Looking over all of this stuff to get where God's called us to. Because if we get our heads down and we get all up into all the small stuff, we'll work the rest of our lives distracted by the enemy's small stuff in life. 
And we'll never get to what God called us to ultimately become. And in ministry, as priests, we'll get caught up in who's not here and who's not doing this. And, well, we don't have a volunteer for the kids. Those things are all important. I want you to be here every time the doors are open. You should be. If you're sold out, you should be. This is your church. You should be here. But if you're not, you know what? We have to minister to those that are here. Can't get caught up in the not. Have to get caught up in the, in, in the have or what's going on in, at the time that we're here for the things of God. Sunday school, all of these people are part of ministry. Now I'm going to ask you a single question. What is your dominant gifting? Are you a king or are you a priest? Is your life given so that you, I mean, I've had people say, well, pastor, I don't know how, how do I even know what I am? First of all, the assignment of a king, remember, is to go forth and conquer and bring spoil back for the kingdom of God, for the betterment of the house of God, for the betterment of the call, for the betterment of the ministry. That's what a king's call is. Go out, conquer, do conquest, bring back the spoil. The assignment of a priest is to hear the voice of God and receive vision. Number one. A vision from God always costs money. Who's going to finance that? Well, bless God, that preacher got the vision. He needs to go out and work for it. No, that's why we have kings. Now, don't misunderstand me. I think there are those that are, that are ministry that have to work and have to do ministry at the same time. In other words, I did that for years. I planted a church working the whole time and, and did that until God transitioned us into full-time ministry. So I don't want to hear the excuse, I ain't got time. I'm always hard on y'all when I come, it seems like. I don't know why. It's good anyway, isn't it, Justin? Thank you. You know, it, 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 I could go on. I'll try not to get on my soap. But I, I, four boys, a job, a church, a business, rental. I, I could go on and not ever talk about not having enough time. Well, I, I, it's just me and I, I've got an apartment and I've got a job, but I don't have time. Really? Really? We do what we want to do because that's what we want to do. Somebody said amen. God needs people who see the vision. God's plan. God's plan. The vision is never cheap that God gives us. Kings bring provision for the priest's vision. Now, every time I say that, even this morning when I said it in our church, I felt like in the spirit I got this little bump back. Well, who in the world do you think you are? wanting my money to bring it into the house of God so you can do whatever you want to do with it. None of you all even thought that. I know you didn't. That's why we work arm in arm together. And that's why, literally, guys, listen to me. That's why the priesthood must spend hours a week in prayer and listening for God's voice. Hours. Can I, can I talk about, if I can use this term fraternity, if, if I want to talk about my fraternity, I have a problem with, with guys like me who, who pastor for a living and, and they're never to be found anywhere. So I have a problem for that, in that, in, in, in the perception of that. 
I'm not saying that I ought to be available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I do have a family, and I do, do need my quiet time with the Lord. But I think, and I believe, and I believe Scripture will back this up, that we ought to have our time alone with God, that we are hearing from God. And that whenever we speak a word from God, it is something from heaven and not something we spoke two years ago and we're just re regurgitating that because we don't have anything to say. That's why if we're hearing the voice of God, we're getting something from heaven and then whenever the kings bring the spoil into the house and the priests are hearing from God, then the vision of what God places in the priesthood can be accomplished because there's a pile over here of talents of gold, of uh, if I may, king's crowns and precious stones and all the gold and all of the silver that we need to go out and accomplish and do exactly what God called the church and the people to do. And this was exactly what happened in the hour of David and Solomon. And today, we must work hand in hand together. Kings and priests should work arm in arm together. Businessmen, entrepreneurs, people of government, media, education, entertainment. These people are kings. Now, I want to say something here. I'm guilty of this. And I'm never going to do it again. I have made kings feel pressure to work in the nursery when I shouldn't have. Because it's not their call to work in the nursery. Their call, their, their call is to hear God's voice. Now, don't misunderstand me. I think kings ought to give their time in the church when they can. But now, if you have a plane leaving tonight to go to Dallas to take care of a business deal, to get a commission to bring the spoil back to the house of God to where that the house of God has what it needs to go and do what God called it to do, then as a, as a priest, I've got to bless you. I've got to say, go do what God called you to do so that the kingdom of God can become what it's called to be. And we oftentimes as priests have put pressure on kings to try to make them priests when they're not called to be priests. They're called to be kings. David, David wasn't the man who took care of the temple. David was the man who went to war. David was the man who went and, and overtook the, the Ammonites and, and the, uh, the Rabbah. He was the one who went and took the king's crown off of his head. Now, there are some of you in this room tonight that have the calling in life to go take the king's crown off of his head. We have got to pick up who we are in the kingdom and live that. Because I think sometimes we're confused about who we are in our identity in the kingdom. Walking arm in arm together as kings and priests. I, I've, never, I've never seen in scripture. Matter of fact, I've searched it out. It's not there. God never gave a priest the right to fire a king. But God never give a king the right to fire a priest. You got many times businessmen who are kings trying to run the church. Now, I, I want to say this to all of our kings out here. I say this with all due respect to you. <laughs> Everybody laugh, smile with me. I'm going to need your smile right now. I'm going to need it. 
Because if we don't watch ourselves, what begins to happen is, is that the kings try to run the church, and they don't know a bit more how to run the church than I know how to run their business. Because God gave the church and the tabernacle of the church to be run by the priests. And the Bible said that whenever somebody comes to the tabernacle that's not of the Levitical priesthood, kill them. Now, we're not about killing our kings. That's not my point. But my point is, is that there's a place for each. And each have their place. And so whenever you get a group of businessmen who want to run the church, they're out of order. And the example is found with David. Back to the case study of David. David goes to get the, to get the Ark of the Covenant from Obed-Edom's house. He puts it, the Bible says, on a new cart. And a guy by the name of Uzzah, user, whatever you call him. And he puts, and it goes over the threshing floor and it rocks. And he puts his hand up to steady it to keep it from falling off. And it killed him dead in his tracks. Why is that? Because King David was trying to do what God called the priest to do by putting the staves through the holes on the ark and carry it on their shoulders as they would walk back to Jerusalem with the Ark of the Covenant. Because David was trying to act like a king, he got a man killed. And so in the house of God today, we've got people dying because they don't know their identity. And if we can figure out who we are and work together, God's going to do great things. And we need businessmen to be businessmen. And we as priests need to bless them. And we need to say, go make millions. Go make ten millions. Go do what you do because God's anointed you to do what you do. And I promise you that there are entrepreneurs and businessmen and people that are going to do great things in in Nashville because God begins to bless your life because you're a king. But you're not blessed the way God wants you to be blessed because we work outside of our identity and our calling. Guys, I told you before I started, this is a monumental message for this ministry because I never want to put on you anything that's not supposed to be there. But I do want to put on you every responsibility that God's called you to be and do because you will not be the best you until you saddle up and take a hold of everything God's called you to be and do in your life. You want to know why we have so many people in ministry that are burning out, don't know what to do with themselves, they're frazzled, they're pulling, the, the, you, you see pictures of them. I had a young lady that was doing some stuff for us one time and, and she sent me a picture and she had her hair and she was pulling her hair out like this. She was saying, I'm stressed, is what she was saying. So the point is, is, is that we have people in ministry that are so stressed out. God didn't call you to stress you out. Are you supposed to be in ministry? If you're supposed to be in ministry, you shouldn't feel that stressed out. You should feel the presence and the love of God to whereby that you can walk in that and see the production of God in your life. And when we begin to walk with the favor, back to the favorites. Are you with me now? When you're walking in the favor of God, in your calling, then God begins to work through you in a way that you've never experienced before. Because you're walking in the favor and the hand of God is upon you because, hey, I'm called to be a priest. And that does not mean necessarily that I'm called to be full-time priest right now. But I promise you, if you are a priest, 
in your life, eventually God will transition you into a place to where that you are fulfilling your ultimate call in life in every aspect of that. You've got to be patient with God to get to those places in your life. But guys, I wonder, I wonder today what it would look like if we really began to walk in our calling. Now, I want you to turn to your neighbor and I want you to tell him, I'm a king or I'm a priest because right now you know, you know, you know, right now you know what you are. Are you supposed to go out, get spoiled and bring it to the house of God that the provisions of the house are made full and there's no want in the house? If that's you, how do you, you say, well, pastor, I don't know how to do that. Well, let me help you with that for a moment. Whenever the anointing of the Lord comes upon you, What's some of the things in your dreams? What do you start dreaming about? Do you start dreaming about putting business deals together? Do you start dreaming about making starting new businesses? Do you start dreaming about inventions? Do you start dreaming about how you can do this and do that in the business world? Or do you start dreaming about this person next door and how you can help teach them and disciple them and, and what this looks like in ministry? If, if I could just teach that person, I know they'd get saved. If I could just disciple them, I know they would be maybe the next Billy Graham or, or whatever. You just have that burning desire down in you to help someone to find their ministry and to help to disciple them and everything that they have in, in, to do in their life. So now I'm going to ask you again, are you a king or are you a priest? You know. You know right now who you are. You know right now, this moment, what God's called you to do. Now, God has and will transition you from one to the other, very possibly. And it's very often that in a home where there's a spouse, two spouses, that one's one and one and the other is the other. One's a king and one's a priest. Most often I find that to be so. I want you to turn to your neighbor. You know what? Because accountability is a great thing. I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell him what you are. Are you a king or are you a priest? You're a king. Carl, are you a king or are you a priest? You're a priest. I can see that in you. Justin, are you a king or are you a priest? King. You a king till or a priest? Priest. Come on now. And see, whenever we start to put our lives in positions to where that we begin to identify who we are. Now, hang on. I'm going to close. Give me just another moment. Whenever we can start to identify who we are, doesn't it make it a little easier? Think about it. I don't have to push myself into, into being this Sunday school teacher. Pastor Lyle's always wanting me to be a Sunday school teacher, and I'm not called to be a Sunday school teacher, bless God. Pastor Jeff, he's always trying to get me to do this and that or the whatever. And I want you to realize you don't have to do that. Can we just be honest? See, that's the, that's the thing, and I love that about you guys because you guys are awesome. You're, you're transparent and you're honest, but whenever you get up to my age, some of my age folks, they don't like to be transparent and honest. They got this facade deal thing going on. Y'all don't know anything about that, do you? It's transparency. It's being transparent. It's being, who are you? And let's be honest about who you are. You having some problems? Let's talk about your problems. Don't, I, I'm not talking about getting super crazy with it, but let's talk about it. Let's get transparent, and let's see if we can't help you with those things. Now I want to ask you one more time. Are you a king or are you a priest? Walk in it. Walk in who you are. Become who you are called to be. Don't act like you're something you're not because you'll never be ultimately blessed until you call, as they say, a spade a spade. I am a priest and I'm not going to apologize for it. 
I am a priest. I am a priest. I am a priest. God has called me to reach for souls. God has called me to offer sin sacrifice for souls. What does that mean? That means I've got to pray. Every single day I've got to pray. Every single day I've got to hear from God. Every single day I've got to read my Bible. I've got to study. I've got to find things in Scripture that bring forth life to you guys. New, if I may, new things. I know there's nothing new under the sun, and I'm not trying to just bring something new to you for new sake, but I want you to know there ought to be a challenge in this room to Tonight from the word of God because it's fresh and it's powerful and God's anointing is on it. And if God's anointing is not on that, we begin to try to manufacture something that's not there. And whenever you're a king and you're trying to manufacture an anointing as a priest, you're frustrated. I can see on some of your faces at times, you're so frustrated. And you don't need to be frustrated. You need to be who God's called you to be. And own that. How many kings in this room? Raise them high. I want to see it. Raise them high. Come on. How many kings in the room? You know what your job is? Go get spoil and bring it to the house of the Lord. Go get it and bring it to the house of the Lord. And do it with generosity and everything you have because that's what God called you to be. I want you to remember you're not your own. You've been bought with a price and that price is the blood of Jesus Christ. You are not your own. That's the difference. Hear me and I'm closing. The difference between the blood-bought Christian and a king and a priest in this holy nation of Christians as the house, as the church, is, is that you've got the anointing of God's hand upon your life to go do what he's called you to do. That's different than the world who does not know God out doing what they do and them doing it for selfish reasons. It's all for me, it's for me, it's for me. I'm going to go to work, it's for me, it's for me, it's for me. I've got to do this, I've got to do that, I've got to do blah, 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 blah. It's for me, it's for me. It's not about being selfish. It's about funding and taking care of God's vision and purpose. That's why God saved you. Now, the ultimate blessing in your life is you're going to have more than you can ultimately handle. That's a good thing too, isn't it? You're going to live so well when you can understand that I've got to be what God's called me to be and take and take care of the kingdom of God first. The law of first things. My message is on YouTube. You need to go listen to it. The law of first things. Because the kings in the room need to bring the first things to the house of the Lord. And don't be stingy. If, if you're a king and you want to know, hear me, and you want to know what your $10, I'm not being facetious or cynical or nasty. I just want to share something. If you want to know where your $10 tithe goes every week, you're not a king yet. Because kings don't get caught up in the small stuff. And I'm not talking about the details and that the money's not taken care of well. It, it is taken care of well. We have CPAs. We have people. Lyle never touches your offering. Never touches it, not once. Nor do I touch that in Owensboro. It never touches my hands. I get a statement. It's automatically um, uh, put in the bank. I don't touch a check. No, it's wired right in. I think it's called ACH, whatever that means. See, that's where I'm at. It's well, this, you know, this wonderful man right here is part of your board. 
Daniel back there. I thought I saw Daniel earlier. Part of your board. These men, I had a, we had a FaceTime phone call the other day in a board meeting. Guys, it's done right. You don't have to second guess that stuff. It's done right. And if it's not done right, they're going to have to talk to me about it. So feel free to do what God's called you to do. Now, priests in the room, there should not be a want in that nursery. There should not be a need in the youth, in the elementary. There should not be a need in this prayer altar. There should not be a need feeding the hungry. There should not be a need on this platform. There should not be a need in any aspect of the ministry in this room or in this church. Should not be a need. How many of you in here are priests? You need to be the first ones changing diapers. Now for some of you single men in the room, don't you be changing no diapers. But for some of you people, you need to start right back there. It doesn't start up here. It starts back there. It starts back there. And then over time, God begins to mold us and knock off the raw and rough edges. And God begins to mold us and put us in a place that he can use us. Guys, I want you to know tonight, you're a king or you're a priest. You are one. Stand with me tonight. I want you to close your eyes for a moment. I want to pray and I'm going to dismiss us this evening. Well, matter of fact, I'll turn it back over to you here in just a moment. But I want to pray over you first. First of all, I'm so thankful that you've come tonight. I'm so thankful that you love us. Thankful that you love my son. It's impossible to reach the lost without a group of people who care and love one another, first and foremost. You know, I'm going to ask you to do something. Overlook each other's faults and issues in life. Overlook them. Pray for one another. Don't get caught up in the small stuff. The enemy will have you distracted all the days of your life if you keep your eyes focused on the little things. It'll eat you alive. One thing about some of the most powerful people in the world is they learn what to give attention to and what not to give attention to. And some things you just don't need to give attention to. You need to just move on. It's not worth your time. Lord, I pray now in the name of Jesus. I pray over this wonderful congregation of people. I pray, God, that you would just begin to work in us. And, Lord, that you would move through us in such a way. Even these fundamental, foundational things that I've taught here tonight. I thank you for that. And I thank you for showing us things, God, even in this room tonight that we may have not have been aware, that we may have not been aware of. And so, Lord, I thank you. And I ask, God, you bless these people. God, give us courage to walk out in what you've called us to be. Lord, we give you the praise for it this evening in the name of Jesus. Last night, I've got to say this, but last night I was awakened in the night and God said to pray for healing. 
And so if you're here right now, you don't have to come up front. You can if you'd like. I'm going to ask the ministry team to come. But I'm going to pray for this. I've got to obey God. If you're in the room this evening and you need healing in your body physically, or if you need healing emotionally, I want to pray with you, and these wonderful people will pray and lay hands upon you. So if that's you tonight in this room, I want you to respond to this. I don't think I got three hours of sleep last night thinking about you guys. And I got to be honest with you guys. Whenever I come down here to speak, for some reason, you guys usually don't get the best of me for whatever reason. I don't know why that is. Seems like I just feel like something I'm trying to break through. I don't know why that is. It's me. It's not you. It's me. But I want that gone between us. It's just me. But I want that gone. I know I'm 50 and I know I'm not your 20 year old. It's all right. Lyle will be here, but whenever it's time for me, I'm going to be your 50 year old dad. Is that all right? Amen. But I want you to realize I, I, I want to, whenever I come down here, I want to just be me. And I want to bless you with everything God's put in us. So I'm going to pray for you right now, and you're going to get healed. In Jesus' name. If you need healing, lift your hand. If you're here and you need healing physically, if you need healing emotionally, I want you to lift your hand. Some of you are in this room tonight and you've been hurt by the church. You've been hurt by the church. I want that healed tonight in Jesus' name. Because God does not want you hurt by His church. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray now in the name of Jesus. I pray, God, that you would just simply just bind the wounds of every broken heart, of every individual in this room tonight that is hurting on the inside emotionally. God, I pray your spirit would just come now and it would just overtake us. And God, that you would begin to mend broken hearts. And Lord, for those that are here tonight that have broken bodies and that need healing literally in their body. I pray now, God, that you heal back pain. God, that you heal diabetes, high blood pressure. God, that you heal cancers. This is a cancer-free zone. And Lord, I claim healing in this room now. From the top of our head to the soles of our feet, in whatever aspect, God, emotional, physical, I claim healing tonight. In the name of Jesus. And I thank you for these things now. In Jesus' name. And everybody in the room said in Jesus' name. Clap your hands and love the Lord this evening. Thanks for subscribing to the Iris Nashville podcast. We'd love to hear back from you. If you don't mind, log into the iTunes store and leave us a rating and a review. The more ratings and reviews we get, the more accessible our podcast is to new listeners. Thanks so much. Have a wonderful day. God bless.